All right, let's turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14 tonight. We're in a study uh, on what we're entitling inspired speech. It's speech given to us by the Holy Spirit. How many of you uh, are saved? You know Jesus as your Savior. Okay, this is good. This is good. All right, so if you know Jesus as your Savior, your sins have been cleansed and forgiven. Therefore, his Holy Spirit was put in you. So everybody that is a believer has the Holy Spirit in him. So how many of you have the Holy Spirit of God in you? Amen? Okay, that's a spirit of holiness. That's a spirit of righteousness. So he is within us, the mind of Christ given unto us. Therefore, we can speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit. And that's what I'm speaking uh, to you about. This is really important. And I'm impacted so much that uh, so many churches... uh, Out of all the churches, there are non-charismatic or non-gifted churches that don't believe in the ministry of the Holy Spirit today in the believer as far as gifts. And then there are churches that do believe that. We're called Pentecostals, we're called Charismatics. But even among the Pentecostal and Charismatic churches, many churches are not leaving room for inspired speech, for the gifts of the Spirit, and for time of free worship and praise where the Holy Spirit can minister and speak and move. And I never will give that up as long as I'm in a pulpit. I never want to give that up. Amen? And it doesn't have to be dramatic, it doesn't have to be earth-shattering, but a word measured by the weight of God's Spirit in us has impact. It can be as simple as, I love you, my children. It can be as simple as, duck, run, (laughs) I don't know. It can be any of these things, but we have to leave room for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. I can't wait to get back to where we're uh, ministering at the altar and getting close and letting God break us down and minister. This time of worship is when the Holy Spirit is moving. So we're not just singing songs in unity together, but the Holy Spirit is actually mending, healing what's broken, speaking hope and future to us. Amen. So um, this isn't a show run by the guy up front. This is a ministry run by the Holy Spirit from top to bottom. Amen? That's what we want. So I want you to get used to the fact that inspired speech or speaking under the unction of the Holy Spirit is nothing unusual. It's not something weird and freaky and spooky, but it is a normal function for the body of Christ. And that's why we're in 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul wants to help this church, this spirit-filled church, understand how to use inspired speech. Okay? And so that's where we began. I'm going to pick up there. This is an open discussion. If you have a question, raise your hand. But we're going verse by verse. 1 Corinthians 14. I'm going to pick up where we left off. I'm going to start at verse 1 and get us to where we left off. He says this, first of all, that, you know, um, I'm going to add commentary here and there too, okay? <laughs> Pursue love. Remember that spiritual gifts, you know, Pentecostals can be faked out so easily. I've been to a lot of services, and you can have a guy that shouts and hoots and hollers, and all the Pentecostals go, oh, that's so amazing, and he says nothing. We're so easily duped by that. That, is, that doesn't mean it's uh, spirit anointed, Okay? Test the spirits, way. But there's got to be a spirit of love in all of this. A ministry of the spirit of God's own heart, Jesus, is his love. Pursue love and earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Everybody in this house, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. This is something you fervently crave. How many of you are craving the, the graces of God? That's what gifts means, the graces of God. How many of you need more grace in your life? How many of you would like to have such a fullness of God's grace you impart it to others, right? That's what I'm talking about. Such an inspired speech that your words, we went over this last week, your words have the weight of the Holy Spirit on them. And so we're to earnestly, fervently crave spiritual gifts, especially prophecy. Because someone who speaks in a language, tongue, speaks not to the men here, and women, but to God. It's a prayer language. They're speaking not to everybody here, but to God. No one understands him because it's a language not of our known tongue. 
And so he utters mysteries, right, in the Spirit. Now, these mysteries aren't things of, I don't know what this is. These mysteries are hidden things in God to be revealed. And so as we're praying in the Spirit, when you're worshiping and you're praying in the tongues of the Holy Spirit, uh, and we allow that to take place just as much as we allow for you to say, praise God, hallelujah, so you can pray in tongues at that same level. And as that's going on, you're praying mysteries, things that the Holy Spirit's trying to uncover in your life through prayer unto God. That's awesome. That's between you and God. Paul value, values this. That's why he says, hey, I pray in tongues more than all y'all. And he goes on because he says it's valuable. But he goes on, he says, on the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to the people here. This is about assembling together as a church. He says, this is why I want you to prophesy, because when you prophesy, you speak to everybody here for their upbuilding, encouragement, consolation, or uh, I remember the King James, right? The edification, exhortation, and comfort of everybody here. So prophecy is to edify us, encourage us, build us up, exhort us, challenge us, and comfort the people of God. How many of you know we need that right now, right here, right today? I want to be a prophetic speaking people. I want, to, I want to prophesy into people's lives to edify them, to exhort them, and to comfort them. Then he goes on, he says, that's what's happening with prophecy. And he says, the one speaking in a tongue in his prayer language is building himself up. Why? Because we already said it, because he's praying mysteries between the Spirit and God. So he's building himself up. So that's good for you, but not for anybody else. But the one who prophesies builds the church up. Now, this doesn't detour one from another. This doesn't mean that if you're praying in tongues, building yourself up, that's a bad thing. Okay? John MacArthur, who is a cessationist, someone who doesn't believe in the gifts of the Spirit, he says, see, that's so wrong for you to build yourself up, edify yourself. I'm sorry, Jude says to build yourself up in your most holy faith. How many of you need to build yourself? How many of you need an encouraging word from the Holy Spirit in your heart? Yeah, I got enough of me beating myself up, right? And so I need to be built up. I don't know what that is. That's weird. I don't think it's me. Anyway, so the one who speaks in a tongue builds himself up. We need that. Come here, pray in tongues, and so forth. But the one who prophesies builds this body up, builds the church up, okay? Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, okay? So... If we can't all speak in tongues, what does it mean by Paul saying, I want you all to speak in tongues? So it must be available for all. If I want you all to speak in tongues, that must be available. That would be a taunt, right? I mean, if you're not all going to have it, you know, like I got a bowl of ice cream. Gee, I want you all to have ice cream. You know, it's got to be available. And so he wants us all to speak in tongues. And that is available. Why? Because we have the Spirit of God in us who can speak through us. And so those are the spiritual languages that are ours. But even more, I want you to prophesy. Now, he used the word all. I want you all to speak in tongues. But even more to prophesy. Does that include all? Yes. It is me. All right, whatever. <laughs> it's something rattling up here, I tell you. I did it. That's weird. It's brand new, this chord. Sorry. Okay, so I want you all to prophesy. So we all have this potential to prophesy. So we should seek it. We want it. We have to earnestly want it. But here's the problem. Uh, uh, I don't know about you, but, you know, uh, when I want a spiritual gift, I just want it to be, just to happen. Zap! It's there, fully functional. But what happens with all the gifts of the Spirit is they all operate by faith. So we, f we prophesy, Paul says this later on, we prophesy according 
to our faith. So if I'm scared to death to prophesy and I'm afraid that if I get it wrong, God will kill me or, you know, I might really mess things up or what if I make a fool of myself uh, and I hold back, will I, be, will I prophesy? Probably not because you put a cork in it. So we have to be willing. So we have to create an environment here where it's a learning church and we allow for people to prophesy and to stumble and to start and maybe stop and go, oh, I don't know. That's okay. Okay? This is not inspired speech on the same level as Scripture because we're supposed to judge the prophecies according to Scripture. So don't worry. You're not speaking as God, but you're speaking by the unction of God to speak what you're discerning God is moving through you with. Okay? So I want you all to prophesy. So that is available to us. Oh, I love all these things that are available to us. Right? How many of you get stuck on the ads on Instagram? This is free. This is free. All right? Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Why? You're all right. Yes, all of you. (laughs) Right. Because it's blessing more than just you. Nothing wrong with edifying you, but what will become more effective is when all of us are being affected by our speech. So, uh, the one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless, caveat, unless one who speaks in tongues and someone interprets so that the church is built up, now that's equal to prophecy. So now he introduces the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation. At first he was talking about your prayer language of tongues that all of you have the availability to do. It's between you and God speaking the mysteries, right? Build you up. But the gift of prophecy is important to the church because it builds the church up. And it's greater than you praying in tongues by yourself to somebody else. Unless the gift of tongues, now that, that tongues that is released that causes someone to speak louder than the rest of the congregation over the congregation in tongues by the unction of the Holy Spirit, and someone interprets that tongue, it now becomes of the same effect as prophecy. Why? Because there's an interpretation for the people. Does this make sense? It's really simple. Now the hard part is discerning, should I speak my tongue out over everybody or not? Sometimes you'll be in a situation, someone just gets the Holy Ghost and gets all excited and they're praying in tongues and they're just, ah! and it wasn't for an interpretation. Okay? That's why there'll be times uh, someone will speak out in tongues and we're not hearing anything and I'll say, let the Lord use you. Let there be an interpretation. Someone else wants to prophesy. No, 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 no. Wait. Let's get the interpretation first. And we're waiting. And then sometimes there's no interpretation. And I can almost Every time, as I'm greeting people as we go out, someone will come out and go, (laughs) I had the interpretation, but I was scared to say it. And so, you know, I mean, that happens. And so what I do is I get the elders and I say, lock that person in a closet. (laughs) No, it's like, it's all right. Be encouraged. Come on. Next time, try to share. Try to say it. Yeah, Chris. It's not necessarily preferred, nothing wrong with it, but yes, the person who speaks in tongue can pray for the interpretation, we'll get there, Paul even in fact says that, let him pray and ask for the interpretation. I know, because what'll happen, and this, here we are, flawed instruments, we're people, Because someone will think, I have the interpretation, but what they have is another prophecy. 
and they'll speak it out. And we're all, we don't know the difference. We're going, okay, well, that's good. But maybe the, someone else had the interpretation. Interesting. Well, you know, that is a really good point because something is very different. I want to emphasize this. Something is very different from what we're thinking in our mind and what we speak with our mouth. When we begin to speak with our mouth, we're hearing it. As you're explaining it to your wife, it's coming to you and there's an interpretation to you, in a sense. Is that... Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Amen. But it it is valuable to speak and to utter things. That's why in worship, biblical worship, biblical worship has to come out of your mouth. All right? The fruit of our lips giving praise. Um, Sometimes when you pray, pray out loud, speak out loud. When you're reading the Bible, read out loud. There's a completely different dynamic than you just speaking in your mind versus you speaking forth in the earth because it comes through and you're hearing it. Now, let's go back to the point about interpretation, tongues and interpretation. Uh, who can interpret? How do we know the difference between a prophecy and uh, a tongue for an interpretation? Um, we have to work that out. Those of you who have... Now, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 12, do all speak in a tongue? He, and the, the rhetorical answer to that is no, but he's talking about the gift of tongues. So you may speak in tongues as a prayer language, but you may not have the gift of tongues that speaks out over the congregation for an interpretation. Does that... Okay, you understand the difference? All right, so... Um, that you begin to learn your gift. Man, I'm sorry. I don't. I, this is just starting to annoy me. Um, so, those who prophesy or have the gift of prophecy for the congregation, and you can all prophesy like you have a gift of tongues and prayer language, you can prophesy to other people. And what I mean by that is to give words of edification or comfort, or exhortation to someone um, by the unction of the Holy Spirit. It may not be foretelling anything. It's just an unction, a word given an unction. We call that prophecy, right? Even those who people who no longer believe in the gifts of the Spirit consider the preacher prophesying. They use the same terminology, but they cut it short for anybody else. All right, so we have... What I'm getting at is that those who get used to prophesying, those who know they have the gift of in, uh, tongues for the congregation or interpretation, get used to what's going on inside them dynamically. They can begin to tell the difference. And it can be, it can be anything. Some people say, oh, I feel it when it's coming. I feel it in my, my legs and it comes up and I can tell. I remember the church I used to go to, my wife's church, when, when uh, we were a lot younger, and uh, there was this old guy, Brother Spatafore, right? I was like 20, 22 years old, and I thought he was like 170, but <laughs> he was probably like 60. Um, but anyways, I always remember, because this was new to me, this whole Pentecostal thing and all that, and we'd get there, and man, we'd be praising God, and there'd be great worship, and the worship band was this lady on a piano and this really old lady on an organ, and you know, we sang these crazy little hymns, but it doesn't matter what you sing, it matters who you sing to, 
And so I remember this brother Spadafore, and I'd watch him and win the pinky. <laughs> I watched. He's going to go. Because the pinky was moving. And I don't know what it was, but for some folks, they have that sense. There's a burning, or there's an unction, and there's a this, and, and they're ready to... You know, so you'll learn it. You'll have a sense. How many of you have ever been in conversations with people and you say something and in saying something, it, it impacts them and you, re- you recognize, you realize, ooh, that's Holy Ghost. There's a weight on that. There's something with that. And the more you get used to it, you stop and say, okay, that was something. Let them know. Does anybody ever have that experience? Okay. So we want to we work that. We want to develop that like a muscle. Get used to it because it will build your confidence. And then you walk in that confidence of the prophetic. Okay? All right? It doesn't always have to have a pinky shiver or a liver quiver. It, it may just be, it just may abound. It just may happen. Let's be a people who are used to being interrupted by the Holy Spirit. How about that? To the place where we're no longer being interrupted by him, he's always flowing, and occasionally we interrupt. I want it to be like that. All right, let's keep going. And again, this is open discussion, but we finally got to where we left off. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments like a flute or a harp do not have distinct notes, how will anyone know what's played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if your tongue, your, you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you're speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. What's he saying? He's saying that Corinth were tongue talkers. They loved praying in tongues. They loved praying in the unction of the Spirit. But they were just all speaking out loud in the Holy Ghost. And nobody's getting edified by that except individuals. And he's saying, I would rather come and preach a message or give you a revelation or something that the whole body receives. And then he uses analogies. You know, on a battlefield, they would have a trumpet that would sound retreat or advance. So what if you're on the battlefield, the enemy's coming, and the guy goes, are we supposed to advance or retreat? I'd really want to know, right? When everybody else is running that way, no, no, he blew advance, right? Or, or a harp or a flute, he's saying that everybody let's sing together now, shall we? <laughs> I've got a river of life flowing out from this is Corinth. Makes the lame to walk and the blind to see. Come on, everybody. Open prison's door. That's his point. Right? How are you going to know what song we're singing? It should be distinct. That's why he says, and we'll get into this, that when you're speaking in tongues, you're speaking between you and God, right? There's a lot of languages in the world, and if everybody's speaking a foreign language or the language of, of uh, heaven or angels, nobody understands. So we are not, as we come together, we're not getting a message together. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely. So there are times when we give the freedom, and, and it's directed, we give the freedom to everybody just pray, okay? Be, and we're not looking for a message or revelation or anything else, but let's storm heaven. Let's all pray together, okay? And that's understood. And even, even if it's not directed by a leader, but even as you're doing it, if you've been in prayer meetings, and everybody's like storm in heaven, everybody's praying, some in their English language, some in tongues or whatever, we're all just independently praying and praying and praying. How many of you know, Will, you will get to a place where all of a sudden the Spirit's just bringing it down? You move in the Spirit. You ebb and flow in the Spirit. And then inevitably, there'll be a prophecy or a tongue or something else or a directive. So we allow for that. We give the freedom for that. Okay? But again, it is done decently and in order. There are times where um, I've had experiences in other countries and in other lands. Uh, I've been in South Korea and Korea, I've told you this before, Korea is famous for what is known around the world as Korean prayer. Uh, Koreans uh, are known for shifting the heavens. I've been in Korean churches in Israel, in South America, I mean South Africa, in Russia, and Korean churches over their altar have a cut out portion um, and it's elevated, and in that cutout portion, they paint the sky. Because their heritage as a nation is they believe that they can punch a hole in the sky. They're known for ferocious warfare prayer. And when I was in South Korea, uh, we were praying for North Korea to fall, and we're praying to bring the church into North Korea, and uh, they're still doing that. And um, they said, okay, we're going to teach you how to pray like Koreans. And they said, basically, you pray your heart out, everybody at once. And it's a roar. But see, it's directed. It's meant for that. It's established for that. It's not every church service. It's not throughout the entire church service. It is a time designated to go to war in the heavenlies and everybody pray at the top of your lungs in any speech, in any language, to break through to heaven. North Korea is probably the most Christian nation on the planet. Oh, yeah. Yeah. What did I just say? Oh, don't listen to me. South Korea. Here's an interesting thing. North Korea... Before it fell to communism, I can't remember the name of the town in North Korea, it was known as the Second Pentecost. The Spirit of God had moved globally in North Korea with such power, it was known as the Second Pentecost. Isn't it interesting what the devil does to lock down on a nation that one time was the most powerful, ferocious move of God's Spirit. But South Korea is probably the most Christian nation. It's up, up to like 80%. Don't, don't be fooled by American statistics. Uh, America says it's a Christian nation. It is not a Christian nation. It says 80% are Christians. They are not Christians. Okay? So, anyways, let's keep moving on. Questions, discussion, bring it up. All right, let me keep going. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. There's your answer, Chris. One who speaks in a tongue should pray for the interpretation. Now, some of you know you have the gift of interpret. Look, at I say interpretation, and my wife corrects me every time. She wants me to put the R in there. Interpretation. I don't like that. It's interpretation. <laughs> so get used to it. Make fun of me. It's interpretation for me. Anyways, if you know how that you have the gift of interpretation, when you hear a tongue, something will stir in you if it's if you have that and believe you have it, okay? You should be seeking to discern whether it's the gift of prophecy or interpretation. Cuz if there's a tongue and 
you just go ahead and prophesy for it. It may not have been the interpretation for that tongue. And so we're learning, we grow, we wrestle with it, and so forth, right? You give it a shot. Who here has tried to give a tongue out over the congregation and stopped because you were scared? I'll raise my hand. Who here has tried, thought you had an interpretation, maybe started giving it, and you freaked out and got scared and stopped? Yeah. Normal, right? What's the first doubt that comes in? <laughs> yeah, you idiot. <laughs> it's you. The enemy also does not want the church to be edified. If Jesus wants to edify, exhort, and comfort, what's the devil want to do? Steal, kill, and destroy. All right? We have got to. This kills me when I get criticism for uh, the flow of gifts. Well, you let too many go. Oh, you, you only have let the same people speak the same tongues interpretation. Or they're not deep enough. They're not rich enough. They're not this. They are what they are. I can't change that. I can say, okay, nobody give an interpretation unless it's deep. Oh, that's great. No one will give an interpretation. This isn't deep enough. Do you see what I'm saying? As a body, we should grow richer and more. And, you know, I, I, I remember Pastor Ron and I have, uh, we've met with people we know have the gifts of interpretation, tongues, and prophecy. And as we've met with them, we've encouraged them, okay, now we want you to leave room for other people. Does every service, you don't have to give a prophecy. There might be others that God is trying to stir up with the gift of prophecy. So you don't always have to be the one. You know, also make sure it's not for just you. you you're so used to having that gift, and when God speaks to you, you think everybody should know it. But ask the Lord, is this for the assembly or is it for me? You can talk to Him. <laughs> okay? You had a. Absolutely. Exactly right. Because deep can be measured emotionally. It could be measured by a situation. Or it could be profound. It has those meanings. Yes, Paula. Well, it's, it's saying for you to ask. It's saying for you to ask. Yep, 13. The one who speaks in a tongue should pray for the power to interpret. So it, it, it is saying, ask for it. Pray for that power. Pray for that anointing to interpret. So it is available to the one who speaks in tongues, and, but also others who have the gift of interpretation. I know some people who have the gift of interpretation, but they don't feel the sense to speak out in tongues. Chris. I don't understand what you're saying. Yeah. Okay, I see what you're saying. And applying it to this verse, it could be that you're asking for the power to interpret your own prayer language that you're praying mysteries to God. I, I think it's available for both then. I mean, certainly we want to know as we're praying in the Spirit, what did I just pray about? God, help me. And you may not get the interpretation immediately, 
but through the week you may realize why you were praying. God laid a burden on you and you began to pray and you didn't know what it was and later you're finding out what that is. All right, let's keep going. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What does that mean? Yeah, your mind is unfruitful, so you don't know what you're saying. Well, here's where the problem is for most people. If I don't know what I'm saying, I ain't going to talk. Right? Because how many of us work all our lives not to say something stupid? Right? We're all afraid that I may say the wrong thing. I don't want to sound like a fool. And here I am praying some dialect, some verbiage, and your brain's going like, whoa, 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 shut it down, hold on, what are you doing? That's one of the f- main reasons people do not pray in tongues. It's, it's so easy to flow in tongues, but most of us don't because we stop it because our brain is saying, uh-uh, you're not going to do that, right? Okay, but let me ask you this. How I, this is how natural, and I mean it, how natural it is for the Christian to pray in tongues because you have the Holy Spirit within you. It is like laughter. Let me give you an illustration. When you laugh, does your brain engage and say, I'm going to laugh, ho, 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 he, he, ha, 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 ho. Does your brain control your laughter? Where does your laughter come from? Out of the abundance of the heart. Joy joy is here. Something's here. Your tickle bone. Something's here. And it erupts out of you. It's not coming from your brain. It's not coming from your reasoning. Same with crying. Crying. Do you cry? Does your brain tell you how you should cry? Let's go into sobbing now. And from sobbing, let's whimper. And then from whimper, let's make snot come out. (laughs) This is completely what we would call involuntary in the sense that your brain is fine to let go. Now, some people can't let go in crying. Some people have not cried in a long time because they're suppressing it. Some people won't laugh because you're suppressing it. Have you ever had the giggles when your brain's saying, don't laugh, don't laugh, don't laugh? Right? You know you're not supposed to be laughing. You're at a funeral and you're not supposed to be laughing. And your brain's just going, don't, don't. And you're going, all right? It is that way when the Spirit of God, you have the Spirit of God in you and it can flow out using your vocal cords, using your voice, the same as laughter or crying, but from the unction of the Spirit and not the unction of your mind. Your mind is not fruitful. Absolutely, because what happens is once you... the, The thing to do is to train your brain... What is biblical? See, my brain has been trained to surrender to what I understand is biblical. Test and approve all things. Well, I've tested tongues long enough to where if I want to pray in tongues, if I desire to pray in tongues, my brain can cooperate and is in agreement with that because my brain knows by reason and understanding this is biblical. When you're first seeking it, you're wondering, is it me? Is it not me? Is it this or that? And this is where faith comes in. You have to, by faith, allow this flow and this voicing to come forth. And you can agree that it is biblical, which will release your brain from stopping it. um, 
Yeah, how many of you have prophesied something and you're not aware of what the words are? Or in fact, you, you, don't, you know you're supposed to speak and you have like three words. It's like, oh, come on, God. Give me the whole phrase. But again, it's by what? Faith. So you know the unction, you've learned it, you have the sense, you know God wants you to speak, and you say, oh, come to me, and then all of a sudden, boom, ba 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 the rest flows, and you didn't cognitively reason it out, because it's flowing from the Spirit and not here, and so sometimes you need someone else to that's why we record Prophecy Room. When you're in the Prophecy Room, many times we have a, a recording there. Because as they're speaking it out, you want to remember it. You can't remember it all. What was said? What was spoken to me? Okay? All right. Now, listen. He says this. Um, Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue, for I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, my mind is unfruitful. Paul is saying that this language that I am praying is not coming from my mind. Where's it coming from? The spirit. It's coming from the spirit, man. And it is using my vocal cords like crying or laughter. And I'm giving it allowance to do that. I'm not shutting it down. So it's okay for your mind to be unfruitful. Now, some people say, this is ecstatic speech. People who don't understand and aren't reading scripture, they're looking at this and they're saying, this is when you go into a trance, you crazy Christians, charismatics, and you lose control and you're just in this crazy trance and, and something has got, that's why many of them call it demonic because they think you're possessed by some weird demon and you're speaking out and you have no control. Not at all. For, it, for Paul to say your mind is unfruitful doesn't mean you blank out, you're unaware, you're completely aware. You're in fact in a heightened aware, you're very aware, but you, because you know it is biblical, are allowing the Spirit to use your voice. You can still be praying, you can still be talking to God, and you're speaking prophetically, or in tongues. Yes, Sure. Okay, that's in the book of Ephesians, and what Paul is talking about is very similar to what is prophetic in chapter 14. What he's saying is, as a body, speak to one another, that means edify, comfort, and exhort, in psalms, those are scriptural songs, hymns, those are traditional songs of the church, okay? Whatever era you're in, it doesn't mean, yeah, it doesn't mean... Uh, English hymns from 1485, all right? Uh, it means hymns from whatever period, whatever era you're in. Those are church the songs that the church has written, or psalms, or spiritual songs. We experienced a spiritual song tonight as we were worshiping. What's that? Corporate worship, yes. But we had a new song, too, where all of a sudden, busting out of that other song, we were singing hallelujah and singing it over and over. Nobody wrote that. Nobody said, okay, when we get to measure 54, sing this. We didn't rehearse this. It's just prompted by the Holy Spirit, and we're singing it together as a spiritual song. And then we leave room for that ministry of song and singing edification, which leads to opening up for the Spirit to prophesy or speak in tongues and interpretation. Again, many have eliminated that from worship. I was at a church, uh, sp spoke at a church uh, the other week, and beautiful worship, amazing time, but I'm so used to that at the, end of at the end of a song, the song doesn't stop. You know, we've sung together, but now we're ministering in the Spirit. But for, for them, they don't know that. They haven't uh, moved in that. And so it, sing a song, cut. 
sing a song, cut. And it was like, ah, ah, ah. You know, and that's just uh, in the song, but nothing after. Yeah. So it's, well, we're just trying to be this. There's a guide here for us, you know. But here's one of the problems. It can get really messy. And so a lot of people can't handle that. A lot of people don't want to come to a church like this because they're too freaked out by it. All right, all sorts of hands going up. Yes, and then I'll get you. Sure. It can mean so many things. Um, but uh, we've had this in the past where someone sang their prophecy. That, you know, there was a, a sense of melody with it. I would agree. Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, again, because inspired speech has the weight of the Holy Spirit on it. It's not just us quoting Bible verses, though the Bible verses themselves have the, the weight of the anointing of the Holy Spirit. But people who are utilizing the ministry of the Holy Spirit in song, in proclamation, in declaration, and in prayer are just wreaking havoc in the heavenlies. We have to believe this, folks. We have to trust this. We're not doing this because it's just another way to uh, worship. It is biblical. It was given to the church for warfare to tear down principalities and powers. It's essential. That's why I prompt, that's why I encourage you, speak out, use your voice, because dynamically, if one can set a thousand to flight, how about this room filled with 80 to 50, how many people are here? We're tearing things down, right? And it's, it's essential. Now, let's get to this one point here. He says, uh, 14, if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, that's the point, He's doing work, but my mind's unfruitful, and I love this question. So what am I to do? Here's the perfect opportunity for Paul to say, stop speaking in tongues. It's going to fade away. This gift is no longer valid after the Bible's been written. That's not what he says. And he says, if my mind's unfruitful, what should I do? And catch what he says. I will. What is your will? Back to your point. Will. My brain. My choice. I will pray with my spirit. I will. It is a determination. You've gotten to the place where you know that this is real, that by faith you can pray in the Spirit. So what you should you will to do? Pray in the Spirit. I will pray in the Spirit. I will pray with understanding. What's praying with understanding? Using your brain. Using the words that you know how to use. He's giving you options here. Pray with understanding and pray in the Spirit. I will do these things. Okay? Does that make sense? 
How many of you pray with understanding in your mind what you're saying? I'm, I'm hoping like all of you raise your hand. <laughs> no, I just don't pray. Because <laughs> I can't figure anything out. You can certainly ask for help. <laughs> we all should be praying with understanding. That is not a lesser form of prayer. But there are times when my understanding is limited. Therefore, I will pray in the Spirit and begin to release the mysteries. Let's go back to what he said is happening here. I'll release the mysteries or hidden things of God. Isn't this beautiful how it works out? I'm praying with understanding, but I, can't, I don't know what to pray into. It's beyond me. I'm going to pray in tongues, which is the mysteries of God. And I lean on that heavily. Lean on it heavily. Because I know it's the Spirit praying. He said it right here. It's not me praying, it's the Spirit praying. I have no problem yielding to Holy Spirit. He's really much better than I am. And He knows the Father better than I do. This works. All right, let's keep going here. I will pray with my mind also. Then he goes on, he says, I'll sing praise with my spirit, and I will sing with my mind also. Sharon, we're back to spiritual songs. I can pray, and I can sing in the spirit. Now, unfortunately, the Holy Spirit doesn't help your voice. <laughs> I'm just saying it's still you. <laughs> Wouldn't that be awesome if when you prayed in the Spirit, all of a sudden you had this amazing voice? <laughs> we would all be Pentecostals then, man. It's like, yeah, let's pray in the Spirit. <laughs> oh, yeah, sing in the Spirit. Sorry, I said it wrong. But, so again, more options. What, what do you think? Why, why would you sing in the Spirit? If I can pray in the Spirit, why should I sing in the Spirit? What are, what are your thoughts? Yes, I see. Worship shakes the heavenlies. Elaborate, because you're so right on. Yes. Yes. Remember who the church is. Remember what transcends. Remember last week we looked at the metal plates and we saw sound and all the vibrations created shapes and images and can even impact colors? What happens when the church begins to sing in the Spirit, worship to God? Who is praying when you're speaking in tongues? The Spirit. Who is singing? when you're singing in the Spirit. We're singing, but it's the Spirit's words. Now there's a song to sing. Yeah. 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 Well said. I thought... Yeah. Could you feel it tonight when we went into that spiritual song? Could you feel it? Yeah. All right, let's... Uh, yeah. I think what happens when we do that is our mind goes up above and the words feel Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Now, when we're singing in the Spirit, when you were worshiping, you feel that sense, that move of God. Do you black out? Do you blink out? Are you unaware? Are you in some... Uh, esoteric uh, trance? No. Fully aware. Fully cognitive. Christianity is not like Buddhism or yoga of mantras and this to where you're trying to empty your mind of everything. God invites you to come reason with Him. Your mind gets illuminated with knowledge and revelation. God's a revealing God. He's not trying to blank you out in some trance. He wants you to join in with the revelation knowledge that's being uttered into the spirit realm. Yes.
Yeah. Oh, very good. Yes. That's beautiful. How many of you have ever experienced a, a burden unto, a breakthrough, a release in the Spirit, right? And, and now you're rejoicing. Something's been accomplished. Some, that's, that's awesome. Uh, Chris, you had your hand up? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yes, Dean. No, okay, well, Dean's asked the question, so let's put it out there. He has a hard time singing in the spirit. And, and the point is, am I just not musical? Is it something I can't do? Is Anybody got any uh, similar things? You just, you're not a singer? You're not a, any comments on that? Maybe fear? Do you sing uh, uh with knowing what to say, do you sing all the time? Uh huh. Okay. You said some. Yeah. I agree. I agree. You know, if you really want to sing in the Spirit, make it a matter of prayer. Lord, release my tongue in worship. Teach me the melody of the of, of heaven. You know, help me uh, grasp that. Because again, everything you'll see here in 1 Corinthians 14 is based on the preface, earnestly desire. So he wants you to ask and to have in you a real desire and a hunger for these things. You want to pray, you want to sing in the Spirit. So ask him for it. Want it. Okay? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I would say most definitely yes. I would put it under the label of a revelation. If it's happening in the church and you're having a vision of seeing something, it, I would share it. I would say, I am seeing. That way, you know, you're letting us understand this has shifted from a prophecy or something. I'm seeing that the Lord is doing this. And we've had people do that. I've, I see this or I see that. For me, it's, it's the same. When I pray for people, it's all visual. I, I come to someone, I'm holding their hands, I need a word from the Lord to pray for them, and I look for the, the images, and I speak the images. Ron. Amen. Okay, anybody have that diagnosis or know anybody with that diagnosis recently? All right, let's unpack this. This is too cool. This is so Jesus. I love it. Did you pray that tonight? Were you praying that during worship at all? Or? Yeah, praying. 
Not exactly, but the last couple of days you've been praying. Okay. This morning, all day, you've been praying, and you're praying for the blood to cleanse. We're starting to talk about prophecy and inspired speech, and Sam gets a download, which is a word of knowledge that the Lord is doing this. So let me um, put uh, some understanding to this. And we've been teaching this on Wednesday nights uh, through the years now. The difference between a prophecy, a word of knowledge, word of wisdom. So a word of knowledge is not a prophetic word to uh, speak edification, comfort, or exhort the, the, the body. It is a specific act of information that God is giving. Is that a good definition, Ron? Okay, so that there are times we'll wait and I'll say, no prophecies right now. Not that it's wrong, but I, I'm just trying to direct us. I'll say, no prophecies, but let's share words of knowledge. What does Jesus want to do tonight in our midst? What is he saying he's going to do? Okay, and we're waiting for that. And some will say, well, I, for some reason I have this burden. I think God's touching somebody's eye. Okay, then we act on that. So that's just what that is, a word of knowledge. So these inspired speech, this, see, this is what I'm so, I'm so sad about so many Pentecostal churches who are just eliminating it. It's, it's like, are you kidding? I'd rather spend a whole night doing this. I mean, you've got prophecy, tongues, interpretation, words of knowledge, healings, things going on. If we would get so in tune with this, what a dynamic activity that's going on. We're singing in the spirit and things are changing in the heavenlies and all that. That's what I mean about, I'm getting to preaching now, sorry. But that's what I mean about this nation. We're all trying to get uh, convinced people what political way to go when we could be breaking forth in the heavenlies with power. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Yes. How, that's a great question. How many people here knew a little part or a sense of what was going to happen here tonight? Did ever, anybody have an unction that God was going to move? Anybody else? Okay. So what would happen if we all decided to pray before we got to church? Now, what is the concept? That we prayed in tongues. We prayed. We had expect expectation, right? Worship band prays before we come on uh, to begin worship. We want to have one mind, one heart. What if everybody in the congregation had such an expectation that when we got here, we didn't have to prime the pump to get you to forget about your day and get here. Okay, last one. It is, and let me close with this, okay? Tom has groomed himself in listening and being available to the Holy Spirit so that it is very biblical to his mind to have an expectation for these things, all right? It's not something so far out of the blue. If we would train our minds to understand what Scripture says and what to have an expectation for, you know, we'll be talking, other people might be going like, what are you talking about? It's like, no, we hear from God. We know God speaks. We know God's going to move. So let's get ourselves into a level of that expectation 
and walking with that kind of knowledge that it is not odd that we would expect this to happen. All right, let's close because we've run out of time. Holy Spirit, though we leave here, we never leave you and you don't leave us. The same words of knowledge, the same prophecies, tongues, prayer, mysteries uttered to God is continuing to flow in our lives, in the car, when we go home, when we go to work, all day long. Lord, we don't interrupt it. We don't stop it because we're not gathered. We just keep this flow of river going. God, do something in this church that is going to be so biblical and so beyond expectation that, Lord God, we want to see you do things above and beyond what we ask or can even imagine according to the power that's at work in us. So, Father, have your way tonight. Minister to your people and continue to pour out. We invite you to this in Jesus' name. Amen.